His name is Heston Blumenthal and this is Journey to the Centre of Food. I'm Jay, your host for this adventure, along with our Fat Duck producer James. And on today's show, once again, we are handing the sat-nav of our miniature submarine over to you as we delve inside the mailbag for all your questions and a daredevil leap into the unknown. So without further ado, dressed all in a white onesie and ready to leap through a flaming hoop, it's the evil Knievel of the food world, Heston Blumenthal. Hello, sir. Hello, sirs. Um, I've, I've got a, I've got a twosie, by the way. <laughs> You've got a twosie. There's a thought. Hello, James. How are you holding the flaming hoop? I'm good, thanks. Nice to see you guys. I imagine, Heston, as a kid, you were the kid who would do the stunts. There's always the one who jumps off the wall first. That would be you, would it? Um... I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if I was. It seems to be something that developed later in life, and I and I, and I don't know if um, with my there's in terms of. I mean, ADHD is a big subject, uh, but there is considered to be ADHD and age-activated ADHD. One of the um, what's the word? Sort of characteristics. Not everyone that has ADHD, obviously, the big scale and stuff, but. One of the characteristics is is that you will be the person that jumps first. You will be the person that takes the risks. I don't ever really remember being that person so much when I was younger. In fact, I remember seeing um, some documentary about this where they said that in in in, in um, war times, if the groups of soldiers, it would be the people with ADHD that would go over the hill first to see what's over it. <laughs> <laughs> so certainly in my in my later years, yes. In my earlier, although having said that. It's much more complex than that because I, I don't have an urge to physically climb Everest, let's say, or jump out of an aeroplane. If it was jumping out of an aeroplane while see, seeing what a, an aero bar tasted like <laughs> and felt like while I was flying through the air, oh, yeah, I'm there. That's the next show. To discover, yeah, and, and maybe what was happening to my saliva while I was doing it or trying to <laughs> drink an upside-down cup of tea. Maybe. Oh, there's a show. There we are. Um, so, as we said, today is a Q&A, which is when we jump into all of your correspondence. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Please do keep sending over anything you like. It's hestonspodcast.gmail.com and at hestonspodcast on Instagram. It is brilliant to hear from you. We get so many wonderful and, and weird things. We really appreciate it. And actually, them. do us a favour while you're there. Go on to iTunes and subscribe. It's totally free. And maybe leave a nice comment. And thank you to everyone who's already done that. We appreciate it. And Heston, I thought you'd like this one from Matt Keen. Uh, Hi, guys. Very much enjoying the pod. Thought I'd get in touch with a quick story. I've been binging on the pod a bit recently to catch up with. Uh, One thing that's always in the back of my mind is how nerve-wracking it must be to have Heston over as a guest for dinner i know it's a tired old question anyway i've not been very well for the last week but i'm fine now and i haven't been sleeping properly or at least having strange dreams the other night in my dream heston turned up for dinner now just to preface i've been listening to you both talking about cereal variety packs and putting your head in the ice cream freezer so i guess i was in a childhood state of mind the dream was short but to my surprise both while asleep and when i woke up I served Heston Finder's crispy pancakes with bird's eye potato waffles and baked beans. Probably sounds quite good in French. In my dream, he beamed from ear to ear, but it's only now I realised it may be the best way to cook for Heston. Chuck in a big of ar- bit of Arctic roll and he'd probably be over the moon. So <laughs> thank you, Matt. Hey, I, I agree, Matt. Thank you. And if, 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 you're, if you're the bet that, that, that my best way, uh, as opposed to the best way, because I don't know anyone else's best way, but my best way would be... If you did cook for me, 
just keep that big grin. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I do know the feeling as well, because I remember making you food. And actually, you're easy to cook for, because you'll eat literally anything. I mean, you don't you don't care. And Finder's well, Crispy Pancakes is well, quite fun. It's, it's, it's very different, though, when you know that if, you're, if, if somebody has made the effort to cook for, for you, it is such a treat. I'm, I've spent my life in the restaurant business. So you go to a restaurant and there's always, I mean, it's a business. So there's a financial transaction that happens when, when you order food and then you, you pay for it. So um, for me, I like just, I, I like to be relaxed. It's still, you can still go to a restaurant where you feel that there's been real love and care put into the, into the food. When someone invites you for dinner, I don't know, there's, some, there's something more unique about it. Um, I know it's something that we've many of us have missed over the last you know year, um, but it is such a treat for somebody else to to actually cook for you. And in fact, I think that the pressure um, it, people um, wouldn't really think that there might be pressure the other way around because if if it's somebody I know, um, and even if if it's a chef friend of mine. If you mess something up, you mess something up. We're all chefs. I mean, we know we know each other. But if 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 you you don't know the person too so well, and they have might have an expectation that, and you just you make them let's say a, a carbonara, or or you know roast chicken or something, they might come come away and think, well, you know, you went to Hessens for dinner. How was that? Yeah, it was, it was nice, but you just served us pasta. <laughs> yes. Could, nothing the, caught fire. Nothing, nothing exploded in the air, for God's yeah, sake. I, I mean, I, the cutlery was cutlery. I couldn't eat it. <laughs> ah, that's exactly the trick. No. You see what he's done there? He's gone beyond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some statistic I read somewhat a long time ago about the... But the fact that when two people have had eaten food together, I don't know what the context would be over dinner or in a restaurant, whether they are some significantly large percentage less likely to ever fall out again. There's some someone had worked it out, but people people that generally share a meal of some sort together remain friends or at least you know at least cordial to one another much longer than people that have never eaten together. Yeah, I would make sense, and I suppose if you went fishing, like if you went fishing, for example, together. Or went foraging together and then cooked together and ate together. That that would also make sense to me that it would it would form a bond. Food mm. does have that. Food and cooking and eating does have that connecting ability. Having gone around, you know, film lucky enough to film all around the world. One place, America. You literally turn up and you meet someone for five minutes and they'll invite you around their house for dinner. And being a Brit, your immediate reaction is, oh, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want to go near someone else. But actually, because you're out on location meeting new people, you go, go on then and and. It's lovely. You do get to know people really quickly. I know we don't do it over here. You don't just invite people you've met that day back for dinner because we're British. Um, but it is. it does make a difference. You do feel very fondly of that person afterwards. Also, I wonder if that's where... It, I'm, 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 I'm making this up as I'm going along, by the way, which wouldn't be... <laughs> The first and not the last time. Don't I give would it away. People think that we know what we're doing. <laughs> if you, but I can imagine that if, let's say, you, uh, I remember a statistic when I was in Australia. Um, we did a range of products for one of the big supermarkets over there. And one of the advertising campaigns was about these, <clears throat> they were amazing quality um, ready meals. But they were sort of, it was like a, um, like um, lamb shanks that had been cooked very low temperature, a long time. They were, they, they were, oh, wow. they weren't cheap, yeah. but they were, they, the quality was amazing. And it was talking, they were talking about apparently 
at the time, this is about five or seven years ago, was the Austra- average Australian fam- family ate together, cooked and ate together round the table four times a week. And the average English British family once a week. So really? if you're in the habit of just cooking every day anyway, or nearly every day, then you're, you're cooking and you're inviting people to join you, but you've already got the food there. Yeah. So if yeah. the culture is that you would actually normally only cook a meal for guests by with planning to cook a meal for guests, then as a guest, it might seem a little bit strange being invited to somebody's house for dinner, but they've already got the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're doing it all the time, like you've got yeah. barbie on every night, <clears throat> it's, it's much easier. Perspectives again. Mm. Can I ask a side note? In terms of what's the... Can, can you either of you think of an incident where you've been to a restaurant and they've got fancy completely wrong? They've gone so fancy that it's absolutely imploded and it just doesn't work and is not it's not good fancy. Um, and many, many, but it's the same as a... There's some things that, again, this is all personal, but you can over-fancy up a burger. Oh, you certainly can. Or you know, cakes. Cakes is a good example where, where the look of the cake is everything. And in fact, the quality of the sponge is as dense as, as, dense as you like. I mean, you almost need a... you know, an electric power tool to be able to bite into it. The icing is so kind of fatty, that fat coating in your mouth. Um, That's those modern cupcake phenomenon where they look amazing, but it's just endless icing. It doesn't taste of anything. Oh, what was that bakery in the really famous one in the Magnolia Bakery? I think they've got famous through Friends, the queues down the street in New York. And I remember going there for the the first, walking past and going, let's, let's queue for a bit. I mean, they were absolutely, it was all about, but I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. Let's, let's, we love the series. So we want to be able to taste a bit of the series. So I, I get that. But as a standalone, if you took the, away Friends and took away the Magnolia Bakery name. Um, oh, so there's, I think there's, for me, there's a, uh, many a time where that's happened. I'll, I'm going to look something up. Well, let's see what James has said, because I just also remembered a film, a movie that we forgot about, and I'm just going to remember over-poncing up the dishes. Uh, I'll, well, I'll, all I was thinking as you were you. talking, it's, it's that fine line between fancy and fussy. And, and you go to a restaurant, it just interprets what fancy means. It's just so much stuff. It just, they're not sure where to rein back, so you end up with so many things on the table, so many over-garnishes on the table. Glasses are too big for the space you've got the curtains are really thick so keep if you're sat near them they just everything's just constantly distracting you from from something so i've had i've had those experiences you know many times um i remember going to new york when we were in heston new york you took me to that nice restaurant but i've never had this experience before they stopped me being a scruffy tv type and made me put on a jacket. Oh, lovely. And they got a spare jacket. Nothing for me. makes a man fit. more relaxed than being told he needs, he's dressed totally inappropriately. To <laughs> come with and me, I was sir. The shirt. <laughs> come with me, sir. We'll was, sort you I was out. Mortified. In the back room. I was like, what on earth? And you're completely right. Talk about setting off on the completely wrong foot for dinner. Are you walking in now in a tight jacket, which isn't yours? It's yours. Yeah, no, it, it's actually. It, it's like if you were to. I think if you turned that on its head and said, look, we're at the restaurant, we're going to charge you, we're going to try and make your experience as unpleasant and as uncomfortable as possible. You think that's the sort of thing you think, genius, genius. They've given me a jacket either that was so big, the sleeves fall into the, my soup or so small. <laughs> if I go to pick up my, my spoon, I'm going to rip the sleeve off. Yeah. And the fact that the previous incumbent of a jacket may well have died in it. 
<laughs> oh, that, I, I didn't Where do we get these that. jackets from? They don't just pop yeah, to exactly. a store. Just lying around. <laughs> Did you find the movie, Heston? Oh my God, I found it. I, and this is one that I can't, I, I meant, I knew, James, when we spoke about this, I forgot to, I, I, there was one movie where I was missing that I really wanted. It's genius. It's a brilliant film. And the film is, um, when was it When was it made? It's, it's basically Life is Sweet. Mike Lee mm-hmm. film with Timothy Spall in it. And I think um, they had a, Timothy Spall was opening a restaurant in Life is Sweet. And um, <laughs> it was called Regret Rien, the restaurant. And he had a little helper washer up of this woman. I remember that. And he, he told her, she'd go, right, I got a, so this is a new, new menu, exciting new restaurant. It was like a cafe turned into a restaurant. It was so bad. Listen to this. It's genius. You must know enough about food to be able to come up with these dishes. So he's going, right, we've got a special menu, black pudding and camembert soup. <laughs> Boiled bacon consomme, saveloy on a bed of lychees, liver in lager. That sounds quite good. Put liver in lager, pork cyst, clams in ham with pan fried coke based sauce, prune quiche, king prawn, just one, in jam sauce, duck in chocolate sauce, tongues in a rhubarb hollandaise, tripe souffle, quails on a bed of spinach. And treacle, kidney volavon, <laughs> chilled brains, and a grilled trotter with eggs over easy. Oh, yes. I do hope someone out there has made that menu. If not, we should give it a go. We should. That, <laughs> we should I, I like the just one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. That's Life is Sweet, is it? Yeah, Life is Sweet, Mike Lee. It's, it's got Alison Stedman in it. And uh, hang on, you left. What was Tulis. Tulis. What's his name? Oh, David Tulis. Is it David Fulis? Yeah. yeah. And Jane Reason Horrocks, well. is, I think, is in it as well. Oh, Jane Horrocks is and in Jim it. Jim Broadbent. This is following on from our movie podcast a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about our favourite food movies and things that, that came out of it. And we've had a few me- emails. And Miranda has once again got in touch. Hi, Miranda. Uh, she said, when you were talking about Charlie and the Fa- Chocolate Factory, it reminded me of going to the Chocolate Factory in Dunedin in New Zealand where they have a chocolate waterfall. I've got to say, it didn't match the movie or my imagination. Actually, after going through there... Uh, we got a whole lot of chocolate and still two weeks later it was in our suitcases uh, before we left the country. Uh, I'm a chocoholic and strangely after that visit I couldn't eat it for a while. I know exactly what she means because chocolate waterfalls and chocolate fountains in real life are not romantic at all. They are uh, like disgusting when you see them at weddings and you have the um, chocolate, oh, those chocolate fountains and oh. stuff. Oh, Do you remember we made a chocolate waterfall for feast? That was a bloody nightmare. That was. Remember, it was, but it was liquid nitrogen. So we put the chocolate powder in the nitrogen, and and the and the, the and the the um all the agitation of the nitrogen expanding, the bubbling, made a chocolate made it look like chocolate sauce. But when it reached, it fell down this. Remember this? It was like a molded waterfall yeah, like- canyon into a lake at the bottom, and then all the nitrogen bubbled off, and you're left behind with the chocolate, like frozen chocolate. And then we which, was to... not, which was nice in theory <clears throat> until we poured it down because it was one of those things that we basically it's not easy to buy a plastic waterfall There's, we had limits on our budget and we couldn't make it from scratch so we i think we doctored like a um one of those things you get from like a garden center uh, like yeah. a waterfall mm-hmm. thing and it was made of plastic and we made it look good 
But what we didn't realise was obviously liquid nitrogen is very cold and plastic and very cold things don't necessarily go together. Do you remember when we were doing it, the whole thing started to crack and there was yeah, all these yeah. slightly, slightly alarming <laughs> noises. And, and your and chef then, and jockey had to be were, right at the top pouring it down. There were two of them. Well. Well, plus we had that, um, I mean, I can say midget. I'm yeah, he politically was. incorrect, but he was a midget. Uh, he was an actor, Oompa Loompa, yeah. Who was an Loompa. He was brilliant. I remember Darren I was chopping something in the kitchen and he just walked past... Dressed up as an Oompa Loompa, picked something up I just chopped, looked at me and just shook his head and walked off. <laughs> it was brilliant. And he, him, Jockey and somebody else were pouring the nitrogen chocolate water down and it bubbled. It looked great. But then as well as the plastic cracking, you remember at the end, they were going to put it in their mouth too soon. Oh, and there was God. like a no, <laughs> we had to stop them. And, then, and we made chocolate. Um, remember the umbrella? We made chocolate water. By putting chocolate in a distillator. Oh yeah, clear and then chocolate water. Clear chocolate water, and then there was an umbrella. I mean, you made it made it sort of rain under the umbrella, chocolate water. Oh yeah, because it was raining inside the umbrellas. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten that. That that Willy Wonka feast was really hard, wasn't it? Because you, when you start actually delving into the creations in Charlie and the Chocolate mm. Factory, they are not. You know, you can't make a hair toffee or fizzy lifting drinks. They don't. It, it was really difficult. Mm. And when you actually sort of you know, a, a, an everlasting gobstop. If you can't do it, it's just a gobstop. Oh, and then Patty Boulay. Remember oh. on, on all fours, we had we had the, the lickable wallpaper. So we made this paisley freeze-dried powder of all the different, it was prawn cocktail. Yes. Uh, Campbell's tomato soup. Uh, it's kind of sprayed onto this. You it looked, sprayed it, onto the wall. It, it, it looked good. <clears throat> and then they said, ladies and gentlemen, your cocktail is, your orders are served on the wall. And there was a sausage on a skewer, a little bit, cocktail sausage and fatigue was on all fours licking this sausage <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't allowed to let them lick twice she's not no, no one else is allowed to re-lick no, Patty Boulay's I mean, pre-lick it sausage wasn't something that we didn't try and set anybody up to get on all fours and lick the sausage it was just when we looked at it I mean it was one of those brilliant moments of how food can 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 bring the child out in adults in such a wonderful way it, oh. it was it was a magic a really magical moment i remember that as soon as you do that there's, there's sort of those icebreaker moments after that they were completely in that childlike mentality and they would yeah. do they would sort of just do anything after that they would have such a laugh and they were really because people came into those situations much like they came into the fact that but probably even enhanced by the fact that there's cameras there and we're all looking at them asking them to say interesting things they were they were they were slightly nervous and we had to put them in a state of relaxation and we try that as you do you know you go and talk to them you give them some booze we discovered not too much booze a few times yeah. sometimes it trips over if you're late with the filming you end up with six sozzled celebs but the the best way to do it was just give them a fantastic opening thing to the meal and after that they'd forgotten there was cameras there and they were just one of the best ones we did was the I think it was the 1970s feast and it was all school dinners do you remember that and we just gave them oversized cutlery and massive plates and yeah. i think they started yeah. off having like like a grain chill sausage on a fork and after that everyone was just kids again i mean we really yeah. literally were it was, it was awesome i was one of my childhood heroes noddy holder i couldn't believe noddy was a guest i remember my first ever concert was slade in a kilburn state cinema and they, they, put, they, slade they put a concert on for kids i must have been seven or eight. Oh my god it was, it was amazing yeah okay that's very cool um 
Okay, onwards. So, uh, Joff. Hello, Joff. Joff Chandler. Uh, he's been an avid listener to the podcast for a while. Just wondered if you ever thought about doing videos and YouTube. Yes, Joff, we are getting there. We do know how to do that. Having, but all of us worked in TV our entire careers. It seems to be much harder than you imagine to get videos up. But, but yes, there are videos coming soon, we promise. Um, he says, uh, question, has Heston ever thought about reinventing a traditional sweet like the Japanese mochi? Mochi. Mochi? Mochi. I know mm. it could cause a lot mm. of controversial opinions, being very traditional, but that is almost the point of what Heston does, right? Um, anyway, I just thought that would be a versatile and interesting thing to play around with, palate, perhaps palate-cleansing mochi between courses, a savoury mochi main course filled with meat or something like that. Anyway, uh, regards Joff. He said he's going to try and play around with himself anyway. Uh, so what's mochi? Am I saying that right? I think it's mochi. What is it? It's like a... It's, it's got this... I love the texture. There's sort of... Dumplings. Well, they look like they could be dumplings, but they're cold, they're sweet, and maybe with a bean paste, I think. <clears throat> and then they have. Oh, I know those. They're, they're, they're coloured. Yeah. yeah, they can. They can be coloured. Um, they can be white with coloured inside, and you, you can have them with red bean or green tea inside. But I, I mean, I love mochi. They've got a. They've got a. This there's some textures in Japanese cooking that I adore. I like the crunch you get of, of, of jellyfish or seaweed sometimes. They have that elastic sort of crunch. And mochi has this, it's elastic. It's like chewy elastic, but it doesn't get stuck to your teeth. Oh, so wow. it's sort of gelatinous and springy and stringy, but not sticky. Uh, and they're sometimes dusted with powder, with like a starch powder to a little bit to stop them from, from actually sticking to the, to the container. Um, and they're the made text- out of beans. Well, I think yeah, they're it's- bean paste or, or some kind of derivative of rice as well. They make them from rice flour. And and the, the, the surface when they dust them, the surface can be so. You know when you if you. <laughs> Here we go, Heston. Sometimes <laughs> I'm, I catch myself just before I'm going to say something which really sounds bizarre. But when you stroke a peach in one direction. <laughs> The good thing about this podcast is that everyone listening gets an insight into what you're actually thinking. Just yeah. now, just picture Heston Strick and Pete the wrong way. <laughs> oh, or the right way. A, 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 the along the grain. There's many and ways there's to stroke a peach very, the wrong way. The touch of a peach, peach uh, skit is so soft and sort of, how would you say, velvety? I don't know. Mm. But they've got, it's got that, they've got that texture. So the feeling on, the actual feeling of a, of a, of a, of a, of a good well-made uh, mochi for me i love the tech the feeling just that it's really all about the no a lot of it is about the texture they're not overly sweet um as a palate cleanser joff suggested though it doesn't feel like that's uh, i know what you're saying they're quite <clears throat> neutrally tasted but what by the by its nature a palate cleanser does it matter the texture of a palate cleanser because i know it's, it's traditionally things like sorbets or you use the nitro balls but does it could, could you have a heavier textured palate cleanser if it's still a neutral taste um i mean certainly green tea green tea i remember when i first heard about the, the i think the first paper that was written on this this was i don't know 15 or 20 years ago now maybe a longer that in Japan, they they were looking at palate cleansers and particularly the garlic. So people that have eaten a lot of garlic, you can have garlic breath. And apparently, um, the um, the test was, I just can imagine this in Japan, a, a line up of people that had just eaten 
fairly large quantities of garlic, raw or cooked, I'm, I, I'm not sure. And then people with clipboards, I'm making up the white coats and white hats, but would go along and just... Ah, <sighs> oh, they did And then they'd make notes on it. And, and they found green tea, I don't, for, with the polyphenols and other things in green tea, it had a very neutralizing effect on the breath and, 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 and the saliva in the mouth. So green tea cleanses palate. The pack can cleanse the palate. Mustard can also cleanse the palate, um, which is why we really? got the green tea and mustard in the first four little flurry of dishes in the fat duck. Also, mouth setting the mouth, mouth watering and saliva generates. Uh, sorry, uh, um, acidity and chewing generates saliva. And we say mouth watering is something very positive it's about food. It's really mouth watering. Means it, our, our juices are flowing when we even when we think about that. So you think about biting into a lemon, you can almost feel your saliva sort of saliva saliva yeah. is kicking kicking off. And so we <clears throat> green tea, mustard, chewing. Does wasabi uh, do it as well? Then does wasabi um, do it? Wasabi it does it in a different way. Yeah, it does. Um, again, it's a cleanser. But I remember what we, a really horrible chefy thing to do. What we weren't the people to invent this, but I remember a couple of the chefs. And like the way I, I removed myself from any <laughs> finger pointing here because it might have been me. I might have just forgotten once um, when we used to do Sunday lunch years ago at the dark and make a horseradish cream. Very simple. You put raw horseradish into a food processor, and you just blitz it, and then you mix that with cream. <clears throat> With salt nice. and pepper you can put other things in it um and then you do that a couple of hours before you serve your roast and you've got horseradish cream it's, it's lovely however you've got the food processor you've got the little top with the you know the hole in it that you shove your vegetables or whatever you're you're cutting up in and then you've got the cap that you, you block the the hole so you block yeah. the hole off and blitz all your horseradish and then some poor unsuspecting young chef, he said, hey, this is amazing. Take a deep smell of this. And then oh you can see God. the eyeball, eyeballs about to want to pop out of your head. <laughs> <clears throat> and that, so that would certainly, when you come down off of that hit, it's a bit like chili. You're have, cleansed. Uh, you've, you've, been, you've been cleansed. You've well, been look, cleansed. Look, look at this. This is, you know, it's almost like these are in, intended, and I wish we could take credit for being this link. But talking about garlic, uh, hi, Heston, Jay, and James. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Divya from New York, USA. Hello, Divya. Hello, Divya. I hope Divya. I'm saying hey. your name right. I, I'm probably not, but um, your podcast is amazingly informative. Yeah, you see? Thank uh, you. It's been great listening to Heston's brain getting. Oh, it's been, I thought she said pickled. It's, it's been great listening to Heston's brain getting picked, but I thought she said pickled. <laughs> it's been great uh, listening to Heston's brain getting pickled. Accidentally slipping. <laughs> Although tongue, uh, pickled tongue is nice. Tongue my pickled. question is about something that came up on the podcast a few weeks ago when Heston mentioned about garlic being inflammatory. I've read about this in the past, and I remember garlic and onion being more anti-inflammatory, along with garlic being good for the gut microbe. Uh, microbiome specifically the good lactobacilli yep. i know garlic is also known to cause some bloating any thoughts on this so i think what she's saying is it, it sort of feels like it's 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 the opposite is it, well, it garlic, is it both it's both so if you have um if you if you have uh let's say an inflamed gut or you have inflammation you have a you have a problem garlic can be beneficial used as it in medicinal for medicinal purposes but if you don't have the problem then it can create inflammation so it's it, it's it's both but then you can also argue 
from the other perspective, thinking about brain gut, if you love something so much, your pleasure that releases that, that, that you, the, a bit like the, the come down after you've got the, your chili hits got so high when you click down from when the pain starts to become bearable, you get this rush of endorphins, these, these reward hormones that, that, that come into your body to attack the inflammation. So if you love garlic so much, you could also argue that you would create a, low, a, a rush of endorphins. So these, these, the, the endorphin army come along and, and actually reduce inflammation. So it, it, this is where the gut brain gut thing works, works both ways. So you, if you just took garlic on its own, um, <clears throat> without the emotional connection with it, then, and, and you, your gut isn't inflamed, it can create inflammation. But if you love it so much, then the, your, your, your positive emotions uh, can also reduce, have a massive effect in reducing inflammation generally in the body. That's why meditation has been shown to have such, um, meditation and mindfulness uh, can have such powerful effects on our, on our mental wellness. So it is... It's it a great is. ingredient for that, isn't it? It seems we should do a journey to the centre of garlic, actually, because it feels like there's tons to be explored in that. I mean, the, the, it's yeah. amazingly powerful. Well, I think that's ingredient. it. It has so many effects on the body, but some of them will be good for some people and some of them, the bad ones, will yeah. be bad mm. for you. If you react very badly to certain parts of garlic, the fructans, I, I think they're called, are really can trigger IBS and other irritable bowel-related conditions, whereas obviously yeah. they also work as a... Uh, a prebiotic whichever one prebiotic yeah Mm. um generates the growth of certain bacteria if you can get it into your digestive system without irritating all the other parts of your system as it goes through so it's you know it is it's a it's a very powerful ingredient yeah james i i I completely i completely agree and this is the interesting thing is there is no we we love to hang our hook or hang up put something on a hook drop an anchor in the sand you know just to say this is good for you and this is bad for you and whilst there are some ingredients that generally are, will be better, I mean, sugar, sugar, it, it can be argued, is as addictive or even more addictive than something like cocaine. I mean, in terms of statistics, and there's been papers written on this, sugar in general, without the fiber with it, is, is one of those foods that in general, it is not beneficial for, any, for, for us to eat too much of. If you have it as a treat and you love it, I still think it's okay. It doesn't mean to say that, you know, if you eat a McDonald's every day of your life, um, I, I think then you would tip the balance in terms of you would feed the microbes that feed off the McDonald's. That's why having a varied diet and also being aware of your emotions at the same time can have a massively positive effect. So, yeah, garlic, garlic can cause, as James said, it can cause all sorts of inflammatory problems. However, that doesn't mean to say it's going to have that effect on, on, on everybody. Some people will have a beneficial effect and also some people will love it. And there's certain things like I remember going to a restaurant, a very famous restaurant a few hours away from here called um, in, in Vence or some, in, in Saint-Paul-de-Vence. And um, it's called the Colon d'Or. And this, this was an old B&B in the last century or century before last towards the end of it where that would the owner would take um would take um give rooms to artists young artists and they would pay the owner with paintings wow cool and on the wall these artists turned out to be people like um 
uh, Matisse or Magritte and Picasso and oh and, my god! And they so they gave it before they were before they were well known. So this place has got the most unbelievable art collection because the bloke just said, "Okay, just pay me in paintings." He had I don't, maybe he did know they're all going to become, you know, incredibly valuable. So you sit out on the terrace. The staff have been there for years. It's very quintessentially French. It's it's uh, the atmosphere is amazing. You go there as a it's a bit, I mean, it's like an institution, a bit like, you know, you go to Paris, you want to go to the Eiffel Tower. Uh, okay, architecturally, you've got the history behind it, but it's just one of those things. It, there's a uniqueness about it. So they had this starter, which is mixed hors d'oeuvres. And I ordered it first thinking it was a light starter. It's like 20 little plates of food. Yeah. I mean, is it enough for eight to 10 people? And they had <laughs> a form of an anchoide or anchoide, which is, it's like an anchovy dip. So imagine um, it's like pureed anchovies with garlic and stuff, and you dip your raw, your crudités, so like carrots and celery and radishes. But in the middle of this basket was a whole raw onion. Wow. Now, I, I, I thought this was quite, it was almost like something like the, the, uh, the, the Mike Lee film we mentioned, yeah, a whole like, raw onion. Like, so just my, one. <laughs> yeah, now we were there with friends. Um, this is probably about a year, a year and a half ago is the last time I was there. So we decided to say this is because we thought it was funny. Why would you just have a whole raw onion, obviously, to eat? So we both took a bite, a bite, a, a big <laughs> mouthful of this of this purple raw onion, oh and then God. and then had a spoonful of the dip. The, the onion was so big you couldn't even put it in the in the dip. So was, <laughs> we, we we put the dip in our, our mouths after the onion, yeah. and all afternoon, I love I I love raw onion, but all afternoon. I kept on tasting this this oh, this yeah, onion. Yeah. I, might, I felt bloated. I felt really lethargic. Oh wow! Now it might have been a coincidence that I just happened to be lethargic because of something else, and I put the two and two together and got five. And I, <laughs> the eight courses you already the had. The taste of the onion. It's like when people say, you know, I, they they think if they're ill, uh, uh, they've got food. It's automatic food poisoning. Food poisoning. And yeah. it's the last thing. What did I eat last night? Actually, if it, it was food poisoning, a lot of food poisoning. Um, uh, effects come for you know a good thirty six hours after or even longer. Yeah, it's amazing, hours. longer sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. So, but we make the association. Wow. So great, um, great question. Good question. Yeah. Uh, excitingly, uh, hi Heston Mansoor here from Pakistan. We've got someone oh. listening in Pakistan. That's oh, really cool. Cool. Uh, they say took inspiration from your breakfast cereal podcast, and I made cornflakes ice cream. And I'm serving it here with a side of morning cartoons. And you know, he sent a picture of, of uh, sitting there watching cartoons with cornflakes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's so cool. That's brilliant. Good work, Mansoor. Oh. Amazing. Hope you tasted good. Uh, that's oh, brilliant. That's okay. Brilliant. I can. I can. I know. I've, I've got a smile on my face. I'm just imagining myself sitting watching, watching the cartoons I watched as a kid, with, ah, uh, oh, with cornflakes ice cream. In fact. Last night, I've just remembered. This is this is couldn't make this up, could you? Well, we do a good enough job at it normally. <laughs> but uh, last night, from we're working on a, a new book, uh, and so I've been doing some recipe testing. So I last night I made rice crispy ice cream. Did you? Yeah. How was that? Oh, very really good. Um, very and lovely. I, very comforting. Yeah, very comforting. I, I the first time round I did it. I did it. I lost myself in a bowl of macerated rice crispers. You pour the rice milk into the 
onto the rice crisps in a bowl. And in the recipe, our recipes, we said, leave it for about 10 minutes. Yeah. I thought, stuff that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm loving the snap, crackle and pop so much. I'm going to lose myself in the snap, crackle and pop and wait till the, the, the sound goes. So I was listening to the sound and it sounded a bit like oil in a deep fat fryer and then, and then dripping water in a, in, a, in a beautiful stream. And there was a coldness coming from the bowl and the smell changed from sort of slightly baked bread when they were straight out of the packet to slightly more coconutty. And then when I, re I realized that when I was listening to the snap, crackle and pop, I couldn't smell. When I was smelling my hearing, my attention went away from my hearing. And then I remember the little characters from the cartoon as a kid. And there I was sitting on a chair and breakfast table, reading the back of a cereal packet with my legs <laughs> rocking under the table, happy as a pig in what's it. So um, <laughs> is it Matt Mansour? Yeah, Mansour. So Mansour, thank you for that. You've just given me, you've just catapulted me back to a, another magical moment. That's wonderful. Good work, Mansour. Um, we are now just about running out of time on our little adventure into our mailbag but i just wanted to share one here from rob fletcher hello rob he says hi gents i'm a keen home cook and love experimenting with different cuisines and dishes i am great at putting different dishes together from recipes but not so good at creating my own ideas from scratch i think this often comes down to not just flavor pears but whole flavor palettes like in painting for example if i'm using lemon i should also use what tarragon peas oregano um thanks for the excellent excellent podcast so i think what he's saying is it he, he does he's good at the recipes and flavor pairing makes sense but he mm. sees it almost like having this palette of I things agree. which i think he's struggling with couldn't agree more and and i think it's really important um I, I did say this before when we talked about flavor pairing but actually maybe just just to reiterate this the one of the many beautiful things about our relationship with food is that it is so complex and you can't you can try you can you can you can for creative purposes you could try and reduce it to a simple theory in certain areas of taste and flavor perception and stuff like that but in fact the bigger picture you can't but so the flavor pairing concept for me is imagine a, you'd have a kind of you know creative creative universes in cooking so flavor pairing could be one so you use the flavor pairing um, uh, principle as an opportunity for creativity. But you it absolutely, completely agree. You, it, it does not necessarily work with everything because you don't work with everything. And your everything is never the same. There was a fantastic, just, I'm just looking okay, up, hang on a second. There's a great quote. I just want to get exact words. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. It's really great one, this one. Uh, 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 it, it, hang on a second. We never eat for the same reason. So our levels of emotion, uh, actually our awareness. So if you think about aware, uh, conscious or unconscious, memory and imagination, at any given moment in time, they're never, nothing's ever exactly the same. We all have similar moments, but it's never the same. The more you zoom in, the more you realize that there's, everything's different. Every breath we take is not exactly the same. So our levels of consciousness and all of the trillions of things that are happening inside our bodies and connecting to the world outside our bodies is never, ever the same. And there is a quote by, um, I think it's Herac Her Heraclitus. This is a cracker, this one. No man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river, and he is not the same man. Boom. Very nice. 
Oh, frame that, put it on a T-shirt. Cracker, isn't it? <laughs> That'd and be that's, the scene of poster back in the day. <clears throat> that's the beauty. And um, What was the chap's name? Rob. And Rob, you know, exactly your palette. So by palette, you know, people automatically bed into in palette is kind of what's in our mouth. But your palette, if you liken it to a painter's palette, is also going to be affected by your levels of awareness or consciousness and imagination and your memory and maybe... Um, maybe the weather outside and maybe the phone call you just had or maybe the radio in the background or maybe it's the colour of somebody's top that's in the same room with you or maybe they're, they're in a mood or a particular type of emotion that is either influencing you one way or the other. There's so many things and that, your, so your palette will never be exactly the same. You tell me a painter that, 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 or any great artist has ever painted the same picture. And the paint wouldn't be the same colour every single time, would it? The paint it would always no, be slightly no, different. Absolutely. Absolutely. What we see, what we smell, what we hear, what we touch, what we taste, what we feel and what we are, never the same. So it's about listening to that inner, inner voice, really, and just painting with what you've got and seeing what, where, where, where the mood takes you on this front by the sound of things. Yeah. And it yeah. will always be different. There we are. Getting deep for the final question there. Um, so that is unfortunately all the time we have for our Q&A voyage of adventure this time but thank you ever so much as always to everyone out there it makes a huge difference to us to have you all getting in touch and uh, it really does push push Heston and all of us to go into different directions which we'd never normally go into so thank you ever so much please do keep getting in touch at Heston's podcast on Instagram and Heston's podcast at gmail.com thank you And uh, but for this week that's all we have time for James thank you for being there as always with our facts that's and that. Heston that was great. Everyone, thank you so much for these cracking questions. I was going to apologise for the answers being so long and rambling, but I'm not going to apologise because I, I love it. I love it. And, I, and, and from, from going to find my local, uh, uh, the nearest local Indian, uh, to, a, to a podcast on, let's, let's sort of think about digging a bit deeper into garlic. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Nobody knows. It's almost no. like we're making it up as we go along, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe you even dare to say that, James. <laughs> 